shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Hey, come on, two, shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot podcast. My name is Espandio Barahini. I'm here alongside my co-host Bradshaw Furlong, and we have a guest. Once again, one of the great voices of Raptors Twitter and uh, one of the many amazing hosts of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. This is Iman. Iman, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Holding up. Holding yeah. up. As, uh, as good as it can get with everything that's going on, obviously. Um, I, I mean, just in general right now, the, the world is in a bit of a standstill. Um, but but at the same time, especially this is my opinion, but I feel like people are starting to get on with their lives. You know, for for some, it's it if not for most, it feels like this is kind of a trend, and and that you know it's kind of over and done with. But I I find that disgusting that people are just t- taking this as a trend. But like we see influencers going out there and like pretending to protest to get good Instagram pictures, mm-hmm. and, and I just feel like the trend has gone away in a sense on social media. You don't see it as, as I guess, prominently as you did maybe a couple of days ago, but that's the thing that's most disappointing to me. So, I mean, have you guys noticed that on your ends as well? Um, yeah, definitely. I think because this has been happening for so long, uh, at least like in recent years, when so since social media has existed, um, I think people, just kind of get upset with it for the period and then they go back to living their lives. And because so many of us have created this um, brand for ourselves, I guess you could say online, everything kind of seems performative. It seems like you're acting for this audience that you've created for yourself online instead of acting for real change. Right. Yeah. I, I sorry, sorry. I thought you were going to keep going there, but um, I, I mean, the, the thing with, with that really bothers me is that it does seem performative for a lot of people. Like last week we saw blackout Tuesday and it, it just seems like it's a trend. Like it goes back to people just trying to follow this trend. And, and I don't think that's the point of any of this. Um, I, I do want to start off by just, just saying in general that the trend isn't what we're trying to do. Uh, we're not going to sit back and be idle here at the podcast or anything that I do on my platform. Um, because it's not just a hot topic for us, you know, black lives still matter and they always will. Um, if, if you are tuning in, I've set up a link in the description of the podcast for ways to potentially help the cause, whether it be donations or petitions or other stuff. Um, and, and you know what, together we can help to make a difference. Uh, I've, I've been vocal about it on my social media. I've, I've been throwing out petitions and, and donations in there as well. So if you do want to, you can check that out as well, but I've left the description in the bottom there. Um, I also, I also want to start off by saying that, you know, both Bradshaw and I have talked about this and, uh, and we understand our own privilege. Iman, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure Brad can speak to this too as, as, as a white man, but you spoke to it. You spoke to me about it before too, Brad. Yeah. Like it just, sometimes it feels like, like it's like, it's not really my place to like, like I know we were, we t- remember we were talking um, 
in our in one of our classes and one of our instructors was t- talking about using our own experiences and I'm like I don't have any experiences to go off of like there's nothing I like there's no firsthand experience for me it's only secondhand and things that I've seen and things that I've heard and like and obviously like when I see and hear these things it, it's it's like for the it's part of my friends it's fucked up and uh there's only like so much I can say at this point where it just comes to the point where it's time for like action and time for people to put like time for people to actually start doing things and especially white people it's time for us to start actually trying to do things and trying to make this better like using our privilege to start making this better and like actually trying to create change and it's it's it, it, I've seen a lot of people that I didn't expect I would say like on at least in my um social media to that are that are posting things and seems like they're actually very active and trying to make some change but yeah it, it uh, hopefully they're actually you know putting the time and the money and the effort into it too, not just you know posting and sharing. I mean, I, I know um, that's that's a big part of the process, though, right? That that's a certain step that needed to be taken, like acknowledgement and understanding from the other side. Iman, do you agree with that necessarily? Um, I do, I do. I think there are a lot of different parts to it. When we talk about. Um, this sort of being a trend and then it goes away and it dies down, it's because a lot of these conversations are really uncomfortable for people to have. And a lot of them are really difficult. And I don't purport to know enough, even as a Black woman, and that's just sort of being my life experience. So I can't expect other people to know enough. So it really does take, for one, having that awareness, and then two, actually doing the work to learn what a lot of this is. And there are so many resources now online, which is the benefit of it being so like being at the forefront of everything and the benefit of people's um, performance of, of like, you know, whether it be a black square on their Instagram or whatever they're doing, the benefit of that is it's creating awareness on the one hand, but it's also um, because I think so many people were shamed <laughs> has allowed people to include links uh, of actual places to learn and to donate and um, to better their, to better their knowledge base because we're not actually doing anything until we learn um because even as a black person some of these things are not my first experience but it's important for me to learn from other people right and i think that that's the first step in making any sort of change yeah yeah you're right education is a huge part there's there's this whole conversation about like how quickly education can help actually start realistic change and, and, you know, like the general public for them to learn something and then for it to be integrated into the communities and in the public, it takes a pretty long time, right? It's a, it's yeah. more of a gradual change than it is this quick instant change that it feels like a lot of people are asking for. What could be something, That's the point. What, what could be something that is like a temporary type of change that we could see that could, uh, I guess, not, not satisfy people, but at least notice that there's some kind of change happening what this is more of a general question any any one of you guys can answer i just i think in terms of police brutality the first thing is defunding the police um just there when it comes to that I, i i don't know that we can implement things and teach people like there's only so many videos of police brutality we can show the world before people understand what's happening right now and i think number one is defunding the police that's just my personal stance um and then i think that there are other conversations that need to be had in terms of in the basketball world in terms of coverage in terms of media members and different things and steps that can be taken here in our world that we're talking about um 
to better uh, the playing field to create equality because there are so many um, inequalities just in this field. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Brad, even just looking at our school, right? We have, Iman, we're in a pretty small school. We have, I think, 80 people total. Um, and of those 80 people, I think, what, four are people of color or, or black people or even minorities, right? Four, mm. I think. Yeah, that, that'd probably be accurate, yeah. And maybe five or six, you know what I mean? If you want to include myself, like as a Middle Eastern man or, or a couple of the Middle Eastern people that we have in the school as well, like it just, the, the diversity is clearly not there, even in the people that are accepting students to come to their programs, right? You, uh, I saw a tweet from Lior the other day of, of Ryerson's acceptances and, and their percentages of how many people they accept. There's this whole gateway type thing that gatekeeper type of ideology that it, it they're not letting people into this industry that are representative of the people who are running this industry in terms of, in terms of the athletes and the people that we, we kind of observe and we watch. Right. Um, I, I think, and, and we can get to this in a bit is the whole idea of statements by companies and organizations and, and celebrities and, and everything that's happening around that. I mean, we saw what happened with Drew Brees a couple of days ago. Do we find it ironic that there are some teams that, and even organizations that we know they don't believe in this, but they are saying that like McDonald's, we know uh, donated millions of dollars to Trump, but then does a black lives matter post or, you know, Wendy's does the same thing. There's so many different organizations that have done something like this where, where you're looking at it. Like this is, this is hypocritical. Iman, do you feel that it's hypocritical or maybe it's a step in the right direction? No, it's uh, undeniably hypocritical. I'm, was just as you were saying that I was thinking about um, the Bill Simmons podcast where he had Ryan Rosillo on, mm-hmm. and um, there's this disconnect that a lot of people, um, a lot of people, we're talking about rich white people here, who um, have the privilege to ignore the hypocrisy in it. Where he was talking about voting um, for tax purposes, but still, you know, believing that police brutality is bad, and just like this idea that you can be fiscally conservative and, and, and socially. Um, uh, liberal, this like yeah. <laughs> bringing, mixing in these two ideologies that completely conflict with each other. You can't do one with the other. And his explanation, I think, is the logic that people who defend these corporations use, where it's like, well, they're you know sending money to Trump for tax purposes and for all these other benefits that they have, when that comes along with everything else. And um, you can't talk about we're talk- I just mentioned defunding the police. Like this all goes into attack. Like everything is intertwined. I mean, it's like I said, it takes a lot of unlearning um, and it takes a lot of learning. So what these brands are doing is hypocritical. Um, having said that, I think they still need to make these statements. <laughs> I think okay. there's this disconnect there where it's like, make the statements, but now also what are you going to do to actually prove that you believe in what you're saying? So, so do you believe that a non-statement if we even know that, like, let's say we know the Knicks and, and James Dolan, which way they kind of go, right? Which way they support. Even a non-statement is a statement in itself, right? Like, I think oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. There's like, no, like, there's, I, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I think we've gotten to a point where if we're talking about the benefits of this sort of 
social media trend happening, if we're talking about the benefits of that, it's allowing people to realize not making a political stance is making a political stance. Right. There's no such thing as just ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist. It's important that we have these uncomfortable conversations with our friends. The idea that like, oh, you know, me and my friends group, we're, we're apolitical, we don't talk about any of that. That is being political, right? Mm-hmm. Everything matters here. You have to have these conversations. If you don't take a stance, you're still taking a stance. You're just taking one for the status quo. So um, I think the benefit of this sort of social media craziness comes from uh, letting everyone know they are taking a stance one way or another. Right. I've seen a lot of uh, I, uh, Brad. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Brad. I was saying I was going to jump in really quickly, and some I was listening to Bomani Jones, and he made a point that like there are just some brands though that just aren't going to make a statement because they know that people who buy their product that's not what they want to hear. Like he, he used Wrangler as an example. Like he knows you know Wrangler is not going to put out a statement because Wrangler knows the people who buy their products don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that kind of stuff, and it's it's kind of like messed up. They can go back to what I said. It's kind of fucked up that that's how they're going to, that's how they're going to, a lot of these brands are going to approach things yeah. is that they see, they see their, like their consumers and they know, okay, this is our demographic. We don't need to put out a statement here because we know we can get by. I think one of the Bennett one, like one good thing that we can take out of this is that more often than not companies are making statements, which lets you know Mm -hmm. what the public um, is thinking. Um, because if, if Ben and Jerry's and McDonald's and Nike and all of these just like massive global brands can take a stance, even if their statements are kind of nothingness, even if they can say black lives matter, the fact that they have the ability to do that means that we've moved past a point in society where saying that is no longer controversial. Right. That's, that's, that's actually a ridiculous part that some people actually consider controversial. Yeah. (laughs) Well, think about four. Think about four years ago when Kaepernick was doing what he was doing. People were like, "How radical that seemed." Now that's yeah. like another. Like they've almost normalized it. Well, I mean, Roger Goodell like almost basically came out and said like, "Oh, we shouldn't have like we were wrong to like go against our players." Yeah, like, but there's so much that. Yeah. Like they they still need to do so much more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. hundred percent. But just the the Drew Brees coming out and saying what he said and getting killed for it. Where four years he was saying the same thing and he was the hero in the story and Kaepernick was the villain just lets you know how much has changed in the last four years. And I don't know like what, I wouldn't even say so much in the last four years, so much in the last month. Like, month yeah, yeah. It, It's been, uh, it's been definitely a buildup uh, of, of tension in social media. Cause like, you know, people, I, I saw this tweet, I think it was Surratt, which, so he, which is a, uh, I believe she works for Yahoo sports reporter, but yeah, uh, great she made this great tweet where it's like a lot of people are feeling like they walk on eggshells, but wouldn't that mean that the egg is already cracked? I saw that tweet. Yeah. That's an awesome tweet. It really is. Like it it kind of epitomizes how a lot of people feel where like they they're scared to talk about this, but at the same time, I feel it's necessary for them to feel scared and, and to have that uncomfortability of speaking out about this because that's a necessary step, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess in that in that sense, we've moved the needle a little bit. We've, we've yeah. Moved and I, I, you know, just to the points of your class and and Leo talking about Ryerson and all these different things. Part of why representation matters is because it allows kids to see themselves in that light. So if you want to have more diversity and you want to have more inclusion and you want to have more 
um, applications in these fields, it's important to have the representation. You're not having, like, if, if I look on TV as a kid, if I were to look on TV and not see anyone who looked like me do certain certain things subconsciously I'm learning that that's not for me I'm learning that that's not a field that I want to go into um and and so it's important to have representation because it will be what changes the next generation it's what's going to allow young girls to join sports media it's what's going to and not see themselves as a sideline reporter but see themselves as play-by-play or color um and it will allow for more um men of color women of color, black men, black women to just feel accepted or feel like this is a, uh, an avenue that could be for them and make it seem possible. Right. You don't just have to be a basketball player to, to comment on basketball games. Like what a crazy concept. You can be um, just like any sort of white person commenting on games, just have a love for the game and have a love for commentary and get in through that way. So yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's, it's crazy that like it took till 2018 for us to get our first black woman to be a main lead anchor on a sports show. Like Kayla <laughs> yeah. Gray. Yeah. Like it took till 2018. That's here in Canada, obviously. That's insane. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about Canada. Obviously, we, we're all here in the city, and you know, the, there's been this stupid conversation that Canadians aren't racist. Which <laughs> I I can tell you firsthand. I literally have neighbors. Hopefully, my window isn't open. Actually, I don't care. But um, but I I literally have neighbors who are racist. Like are full on, full blown racist, 100. percent I can tell you, I promise you, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't believe that Canadians are racist, I will tell you that that is wrong. That there is this stigma about that. Where, where does that even come from? That there's no racism in Canada? I think it's I that... Like it's partially Sorry. because, like, it's like we're just part, partially because, like, Amer- like, people see America and, like, it's so, it gets so much publicity there where they, we think we're just above it all. And we're absolutely not. It's not even close. We are like still, we are still very much behind where we should be. Definitely. I also think um, people see racism as something that's loud and in your mm-hmm. face and wearing a swastika or the Confederate flag and calling you vile words. Like that's what people see racism as. Mm-hmm. Whereas as just Canadians, we're, it's a passive aggressive country. Yeah. We, are, we operate in a different way than Americans. We're not as loud and not as brash. And that's not the way that we go about doing things. But that doesn't mean that racism is, is not pervasive. So because people aren't seeing it on the back of a truck, because people aren't seeing um, or hearing it in these vile words constantly, although those do exist, we have videos of them all the time. The first time I was called the N-word was when I was eight. And that was, of course, in Canada. I live in Canada. Um, so the, like these all do exist but because of um, how Canadians are compared to Americans, because it's less in your face, it's less loud, um, people think that it doesn't exist, which like, just because it's a quieter brand of racism doesn't mean that it's not racism, right? Like, I don't care that it's a better version or less in your face version, it's still a version that's affecting millions of Canadians. Right. I I mean, I I kind of developed this term when I I lived in the UK for a bit, Iman, I I, I went Mm -hmm. to law school there for for two years uh, in the University of Liverpool. And Liverpool is an extremely racist city, like just yeah. extreme racism. Uh, I believe one of the ports used to be a port for slavery like three, 400 years ago. And they have a museum there. It, it's, it's crazy. But um, it, so one of the situations that I had that really was probably one of my only times where I, I saw racism firsthand happen to me, which is 
I, I was walking down the street. And at the time, if you, if you look at my bio thing on Zoom, that picture that I have, that's about the same type of beard that I, I had been carrying at the time. And I was walking down the street, literally just listening to music. I think it was Bryson Tiller. Shout out to Bryson Tiller. And um, literally, as I was walking, this couple stopped, got startled. And then the wife told the husband to walk across the street because she was, she was scared. I, I just, I think that's such a quiet version of racism. And I defined it at that moment. I'm like, yeah, that's not in your face. That's not telling you, that's not calling you a name. That's not saying anything bad, but that's quiet racism right there. That's literally mm-hmm. like the, the definition of what I see also in Canada a lot too. Nobody's going to come and confront you about it. Maybe some will, but there is definitely this this underlying tone, this this subtext to a lot of the stuff that we see, especially in sports media and media too. Um, I mean, I was just watching CP24 today, and they were talking about how the the protests today, there, there were bricks on the floor potentially for for a trap from the police, and how someone caught them. And then it was this reporter, and he was saying, "Oh no, this could have easily been a mistake. It's construction." It's like. All right, but why are you defining it as that? You know, you you're you're speculating, but you're speculating only onto one side, and I just I hate that. That that's that really irks me. I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. I, I apologize, but um, you, you know, Canada has its issues. It, it has its it, it it has its systemic racism as well, and I think that's something that's important to acknowledge. I also think that it's good that we're acknowledging that. I think it's important that we're acknowledging that. Um, you know, I, I said on the top of the show that I'm kind of disappointed that people have just sort of moved on after only a week or so. But like I said, you know, black people can't necessarily move on from this. They can't just shift their attention towards something else. This is something that happens every day in their lives. And I think the onus is on us, you know, people that aren't people of color to continue this momentum and to try to do more and more so that the attention doesn't shift somewhere else. And a big conversation, and and this is kind of the reason why I wanted to have this podcast, is that I feel like basketball has now helped shift the attention to something else. You know, there's there's conversation now. There's a bunch of people who were quiet the, the past 11 days, 12 days on Twitter, but now they're talking about, you know, rankings, Western Conference, Eastern Conference, chances, you know, all the playoff stuff that everybody loves talking about. But it seems like we've completely shifted our attention a little bit. Iman, do you do you agree with that? Do you agree that basketball has has hindered the process a little bit? Um, yeah, I definitely agree that basketball is a distraction. But if we're as a society going to be that distracted with the proposal of basketball coming back, then we're not doing anything. Like we're not moving anywhere. Right. Um, we're going to return back to life, right? Like things are going to open back up. We're going to start going back into work. Uh, the NBA is going to return. Things are going to change. And this conversation can't die out. So if it can't survive the proposal of 22 teams playing in Orlando, then it's not going to survive a year from now. And we can't let that happen. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, do, do you feel as if, do you feel as if, cause, cause we have this conversation of sports as an escape. Like you, you get to forget about everything that's going on in your life and politics and everything like that versus sports as a platform. Like we've seen Jalen Brown, we've seen Trey Young. We've seen a lot of NBA players, Carl Anthony Towns uh, come out, be a part of these protests, donate, use petitions, use their voice, use their platform. 
is it a balance between sports as an escape versus sports as a platform? Um, yeah, definitely. I think, um, sports is definitely a platform and it, and it operates as an escape. Like I'm going to be the first to say I diving into Kyle Lowry and like just (laughs) the possibility of the Raptors returning provided a nice escape this week. Um, but these are, um, some of the wealthiest black men. Uh, they have a platform, they have the means, um, and they have people's attention and sports does this wonderful thing of bringing people together um, in a way that very few things can and in a way that can break up whatever sort of other barriers exist. Sports right. has always been at the forefront of that. And that's why sports has been um, at the forefront of, of racial equality. It's because it has this uniting force and um, we're not so far removed from the Muhammad Ali's and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar activism. Like we're not that far removed from needing our sports athletes to use their platform um, to unite the world and to bring about progress and to bring about change. Um, And they do that in a way that unites people from different backgrounds because it's seen as as an escape. So kind of both of them work together in order to bring about change. It's a balance. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, you bring up a good point. It's it's um, who was who was bringing this up the other day? Someone was bringing this up that you know a lot of people they can relate because of sports. You know, it, uh, me, you, Brad, ever anybody who likes the Raptors. I know Brad doesn't like the Raptors, but still, anybody who <laughs> likes the Raptors, like I like, like the Raptors. <laughs> Stop this, bro. It's okay, just give it a year. Giannis will join the Raptors, and he'll, yeah. he'll be back. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but you know, like we we become fans of the Raptors, and because we become fans of the Raptors, we're friends. We 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 have yeah. something in common. We have a commonality, and. I think that's an important part that makes it the escape. The platform is, you know, uh, us who necessarily have a platform on a Twitter, on an Instagram or something like that. And, and even further up the, the totem pole, players, coaches, execs that have their platforms as well, they have to use it. So it's, it is a balance, like you said, Iman. It's like a- Yeah. Also, I think you have to look at um, when, when you, I think you raised a good point about it, just sort of bringing all of us together from different places where we have, where we're friends because of this commonality think about how many different life experiences we have and we probably wouldn't have um, come in contact or become friends had it not been for the Raptors or the Bucks or whatever team it is that we decided to root for and uh, introducing people to other cultures and bringing people in is, I know it's like this kumbaya way of looking at it, but I do think that it matters in opening people's eyes up. I do think that it matters in progressing this conversation forward. Yeah. I mean, we, we live in one of the biggest um, most, most culturally diverse cities in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think I'm extremely proud of that. I'm, I'm like, that's, that's one of the more important things for me about Canada in general, not necessarily Canada because not all of Canada is diverse, but, uh, Ontario and Toronto specifically where that you, you could reach out and have, you know, Raptors fans or Leafs fans or Toronto FC fans from a hundred different cultures, right? Like a hundred, like thousands of different people from different backgrounds. And that's the beauty of sports, right? That is in a nutshell, the beauty of sports. Um, obviously we're not going to be able to experience any of the playoffs firsthand, no fans, nothing like that. That's going to be happening. Are we still excited? Like, are, are, are we excited to have basketball come back in a month? 
I can't, I can't lie. Of course I'm excited, but I'm, I'm still trying to keep my focus on what's happening right now as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely excited, but like, I think this is a good chance for like, for the athletes and for the media to like keep the conversation going. Like this could be a distraction, but it's not, it doesn't have to be if they don't make it, if they don't make it a distraction, they can still use their platforms while they're there and they can still keep everything to keep the conversation and keep it all going. If they, if the media and the player and the athletes so choose, of course, but I am definitely excited. Are we, uh, Iman, are we defending the championship? <laughs> yeah, of course. Everyone's yes. winning. Back to back. Gang, gang. gang. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll, I'll finish it off with this. If, if anybody wants to leave any ac- extra comments or additional comments about the, the discussion we've had in general, but um, I, I just want to say that I, I'm going to potentially. Why do I say potentially over before everything? I feel like I say that a lot. I'm going to use my platform in any way possible to potentially make potentially. I did it again. I did it again. Oh my god, I did it again. I'm going to use my platform to help make a difference. I promised myself that I'm going to do that, um, and and I kind of I vouch for myself if you want to use the word here that I'm going to be able to do it. Anybody else want to add any additional comments? No. I have to hold you peace. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Sounds good, guys. Well, uh, well. Hopefully, I'll see you guys July thirty first for some basketball conversation. Iman, hopefully, at some point, we'll actually have real basketball on, so we can bring you on that to talk about. Basketball. Yes, can't wait to talk about the Raptors uh, beating the Bucks in the conference finals. Yep, I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll finish it off with this. Did, didn't Masai say something about Giannis yesterday? In the TSA, I, I didn't see it, but you tweeted about it, so I tried to look for it. Because I heard, I, I saw a bunch of people tweeting about, "Oh, just say his name, Masai, just say his name." So I don't know if he was maybe referring to Giannis, but he didn't outright say his name. But anyway, I have it bookmarked for today. I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, my plan is to listen to it later on today, so I don't know. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Let me know. Let me know if. Uh, <laughs> You know, Giannis is signing on the dotted line yet, Bradshaw, but... Uh... Not happening, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll, let you guys, I'll let you guys dream. It's okay. Oh my God, stop <laughs> that. Stop it. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Talk you. to you later. Take care. Bye.